Hi, everybody. This is Kim Peek, and I just want to welcome you to Hope in the Pain. Um, I'm so excited that you're here today, and I've got my good friend, Kim Cross, with me. We've been friends over 15 years. I think it's almost longer than that. I, I was, You were pregnant with Jake. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. I was. And and so, and he's getting ready to, we're sending him off to college. You feel fast. like you're a part of that too, I know. <laughs> so, but I just wanted to have Kim Cross on. We're going to talk about something so special and so helpful. It's going to help so many people. So, especially this episode, if you listen and it brings to mind a friend or a family member that you think could just appreciate this and gain some just some support and encouragement from it. I just want to ask you to send it to them. So kind of back to Kim. Kim is, uh, like I said, one of my good friends and you can check out a lot of what she does. She is the best parenting coach. I would say probably in the country, maybe the world. Oh my goodness. <laughs> uh, some of my friends, my, the way my kids turned out is definitely due to this lady right here. But right now she's got a podcast, The Art of Lost Parenting. The Lost Art of Parenting. Oh, The Lost Art of Parenting. And also, um, so tell us a little bit about that. And then, you know, talk a little bit about Rethink Parenting also. I think both of those are super important before we get into the topic of grief. Sure. Well, thank you so much for the kind words. Um, yeah, I've been a parenting coach for 38 years. Oh, my goodness. So a long time. It's a passion of mine. It's what God created me to do, and I love it. So I have a website, and I have a business where I teach parenting classes, but really the bulk of what I do is parent coaching, private mm -hmm. coaching, and helping families right. navigate difficult things, right. um, solving problems, marital issues, you know, just parenting tips in general, and then started a podcast a little over a year ago called The Lost Art of Parenting that addresses a lot of different topics. I tend to break things down into what, why, and how. Um, what I do for a living is a lot of how. The podcast is really a lot of what and why. And then I allude to the how is you need to come see me because I can't address that on a podcast. Right, right. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's a it's a huge part of life. It's the what I say, the most beautiful and grueling job you'll ever have. And you can't afford to mess it up. So I help people right. do it right. Right. Well, you do. And what I love is, you know, how someone can come to you and, you know, this huge, overwhelming situation for them and they don't know what to do and this and this and this. And you can break it down and say, well, try this and this and this. And you're just like, I, I mean, I remember thinking, oh. I can do that, you know, and, and so that's so helpful. And part of the reason I wanted to ask you uh, today is because I know you do that with a lot of different topics. And, you know, we watched you walk with um, grace and strength through a time in your life that was really difficult. And, you know, when you lost your husband, Chuck, that was, he, he was just one of the greatest men mm -hmm. ever. And, you know, I watched you go through that with grace and with strength. And so, you know, I, I just kind of want to talk about the, the grief of that situation, but the whole situation, right? I mean, you went through so much before Chuck's passing. Oh, and yeah. I know a lot, even ladies I know right now, I can name on one hand, you know, um, ladies that are going through that. And there's so much to the whole process. 
And so, um, you know, I, I want to just take you back there. And, you know, as you go back, what was it like at the time of his diagnosis? Well, there's a backstory to that, too, and I'll make it as quick as yeah. I can. But my son was experiencing some strange symptoms, and I kept taking him to the doctor, and they kept saying, that, he's yeah. fine, he's fine, he's fine. Mm -hmm. And as a mom, you're like, no, he's not. I know, I know my son. Turns out he had a ruptured appendix for eight days, eight and days. they kept misdiagnosing. Ugh. So finally demanded a blood test rushed him into surgery and the surgeon basically said he was an hour from passing. So that was more than traumatic, right? So I was in the hospital with him for a week and the day we got through that and we got home, my husband at the time said, I went to the eye doctor and there's something wrong. We're leaving for San Francisco tomorrow. Tomorrow. So we went to San Francisco, found out he had ocular melanoma but they said, you'll be fine. We'll get you to the five-year mark, and you'll be fine. So we came back from San Francisco to find out that my son had relapsed, and we went back into the hospital with him for another week. It was craziness. But um, the, the longer picture of this was that they told us he would be okay. So he went every six months for treatments. And at his final, quote-unquote, appointment, um, they said, we're taking your eye out because the tumor is spreading, but you'll be okay. Well, he wasn't. It had been spreading the whole time, and they didn't check. So we were in a very big roller coaster of between my son and Chuck, and he's okay, and he's not okay. And within a couple of days, we were in emergency surgery finding out that he was terminal. So it was being grateful that my son pulled through, mm -hmm. like the worst case they'd ever seen, to, oh my goodness, we thought his dad was going to be okay, and now he's not. But I will tell you that um, what helped make me strong, made me strong, was that when we were in the doctor's office and the doctor finally said, yeah, you're not going to be okay, you have months to live, I asked Chuck, I said, where are you at? And he said, we're never going to get angry, and we're never going to ask why. Agreed? I said, okay. And that's how we navigated it. And his strength led to my strength, which led me to be strong for my kids. Right. Yeah. yeah. that That's really amazing. And so, well, it's just an amazing story right there. But the part of the, this whole process is there's so many amazing stories through it. And so as he got progressively ill, I mean, what effect did that have on you? What all did you have to manage and take care of, you know, not to mention your own grieving process? Right. Yeah, I had two kids. One was 15, one was 17. Actually, they were 14 and 16. Right, at that time. Mm -hmm. uh, and when he passed, they were 15 and 17. So they're in high school, right? And they're busy and they've got lives. And I'm really the only one they can lean on because he's in a hospital bed in our master in bedroom. Yep, I was not going to let him go through that at the hospital. And um, what helped a lot was my neighbors. They brought food every single night for seven months. I was going to say for how long? Seven, seven months, months. Dropping it in a cooler on my front porch. That was huge. Um, but it was basically for about six months, me giving him morphine every hour around the clock. Kim, I, 
I don't know how I did it because yeah. I'd be awake. You had no sleep. No sleep. I, I didn't get more than half an hour of sleep at a time. It was like, yeah. And it was get up, give meds, fall back asleep for half an hour, get up, give That's meds. That's more than people have to get up with a newborn. Yeah. I mean. And it was 24-7, day and night, right? So that was unbelievably intense. Um, and then, you know, relying on people to get my kids to where they need to go because I couldn't leave his side. Mm -hmm. I couldn't leave him. And your kids had a lot going on in their lives. <laughs> I mean, they had full, great teenage lives. They really did. And sports and yeah. applications to colleges and all the things going yeah. on. So it, it was crazy. Um, but I, you know, the, the really cool thing, and it sounds weird to say, but the really most amazing thing that happened through this tragedy was I remember sitting, I remember exactly where I was. I was sitting in our master bedroom. He's asleep and I had my head in my hands just trying to figure out how am I gonna pay bills? We haven't had an income for a year. Our medical bills were just under a million dollars. I didn't have a job on the horizon. I had a kid launching to college, another one who's gonna be with me another two years. And I got this overwhelming it wasn't an audible thing but an overwhelming i've got you don't worry trust me it's going to be okay and i had been going to church for a number of years mm -hmm. that's when i truly met christ i was going to say to me as you have talked about that to me before it's like that's when it got real it got very real because i had nowhere to go nothing to hang on to no safety net nothing. I had no idea how I was going to navigate this. Mm -hmm. And I was exhausted. And I said, no income, all these bills piling. It was overwhelming. And that's when I met him. So, you know, talk a little bit more about that. I mean, because like I said, there's going to be people listening to this that are going through that today. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, what can you say to encourage them today? You know, because they feel like you feel over, you know, at that point, you're like, overwhelmed. How is everything going to work out? How am I going to get up tomorrow and keep everything going? It one word was trust. I mean, that was such a powerful message that came to me, just washed over me. And it was trust me, it kept saying, trust me, mm -hmm. I've got you, it's going to be okay. So I had to trust that. And so I stopped focusing on the scene. Like I'm seeing bills, I'm seeing, <laughs> right? you know, I don't have a job. It was all these things that were tangible that I was focusing on. And I had to shift to the untangible, the unseen, because here was God providing peace, strength, endurance, which I still don't know how I did what I did. Um, I was going to say that that was supernatural, divine. I mean, it, for you to seven months, yeah. I mean... That's just not a marathon. That that's like and believe me, beyond. it took its toll, right? I yeah. I was I kept telling other people I think this is killing me too yeah. <laughs> along the way. But that unseen strength and peace and and comfort and trust and encouragement and people stepping in to help and all the other unseen things is what I had to to trust and rely on. Right. And and you are you are a high capacity person. I mean, your whole life, if the, the story of Kim's life, I always ask her who's going to play her in the movie. You know what I mean? Because <laughs> it's been because, a tough road. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, but, but you 
have overcome and you have not just survived, you have thrived in so many different situations. So I would think that you accepting help was kind of a new thing. That was hard for me. How, tell me about that. So when neighbors came and said, we're providing dinners and then a a bouquet of flowers would show up anonymously every month just to (laughs) add beauty to the environment, which was wonderful. I had you know, seven months, we went through all the holidays and Christmas. We had Christmas carolers showed up. We had people with anonymous gifts or cash or cards or what do you need or whatever it was, meals. And I remember breaking down one day. I was so overwhelmed by the generosity and love and support from other people. Mm-hmm. And I was always that person. I was always the right. one doing for everybody exactly, else. Exactly, I And bet. you're right. It was a hard place to be. But I was so desperate, so weak, truly, um, tired, overwhelmed, that I had to rely on other people. And as I did, it just built that strength and encouragement. And it was a huge game changer for our family and especially for me. Yeah. And again, trusting that other people know what you need when you need it. It was amazing. Well, and it sounds like what was so helpful is people just showed up and did things. They didn't like come in and expect you to sit down for coffee. They, they yeah. just showed up with, with helpful gifts and, and things that didn't require energy from you. Uh, again, they weren't expecting you. Well, how's Chuck? Tell me all about, you know, they just, yeah. The key Kim, for me was people didn't say, what do you need? Tell us what we can do. That just puts burden on somebody right. who's already overwhelmed. Right. They would just do it. It sounds like just the basic things that we all need. I mean, and so, and if you're caring for someone around the clock, it, it's like, okay, what would I need in that situation? I mean, it's it's not rocket science. Right. Right. So. It, it was it was a game changer, and I I will probably never move from the neighborhood that I'm in because yeah. I feel so rooted and supported and connected to those people yeah. and vice versa. And, and that has the neighborhood has a climate of that. You had a baby, you had a loss, you have a health issue, you need help. People just came in and just did. Yeah. Um, that was, that was a big piece of that. But I think also I, I obviously had my faith in God. I also had a tremendously supportive family as far as most, mostly my children um, and some family members that were fantastic as well. And of course, friends and neighbors, mm-hmm. but it comes back to trust. You have to trust the process. God always turns tragedy to triumph and it doesn't matter how much you feel like you're losing. Trust me, there's either a lesson or there's a gain somewhere and it may not be immediate. You may not see it for a long time, but looking back, you'll see it and that God works in some really strange ways. We don't see what he sees. We don't know what he knows and we can't do what he can do, but you have to trust that in the end, all things are going to work for good. Well, and you keep, I mean, using the word trust and that trust for you was hour by hour, literally, literally. And, And so I think we all need to remember that whatever situation we're in, it's that trusting him hour by hour and you did that month after month and and you saw and i wish it was year after year because from diagnosis to when they said he was terminal it was six years six years yeah six years so um how did you deal with your grief during that time i mean i'm Mm. 
it, it sounds like you would have to put some of it on the back burner, unfortunately, which, I mean, you're a very healthy person. I mean, mentally and emotionally. So how did you do that in light of this situation where you weren't able to just, I'm going to go and take care of myself. Yeah. I mean, you weren't. There, the only thing I did for myself, I remember going for a half hour walk every day just to get out of the house because I lived in that master bedroom for seven months. Right. So I would every day get out for half an hour at some point in the day just to walk and think and process and grieve. Sometimes I just walk and cry. Um, right. But I, I couldn't, I couldn't let down completely because I had two kids depending on me and they were right. watching me. In fact, later somebody said to my kids, how did you stay so strong? How did you stay to the point where you could get through it? And they said, cause our mom was right. And I knew that I knew they were watching me and I knew I was their role model to stay strong. Um, but don't get me wrong. There was, you know, times where I was so exhausted I would cry myself to sleep and then half an hour later I'm giving meds, right? Wow. Um, you have to know it's a marathon and you have to know that God will equip you and you have to know it's hard, but life is hard. Yeah, yeah, right? it is. I mean, we could talk about a multitude of hard situations. Right, right. I mean, yeah. But there's going to be an end to it and you just have to navigate it the best you can and know that your kids are watching if you have kids yeah. and that you're not alone. That yeah. was the big thing for me. I knew I wasn't alone. Yeah. Yep. That makes sense. So, you know, you talk about your kids and again, they're, they're awesome kids. Like what were some of the sweet times your family experienced? You know what I mean? Oh gosh, um, yes. Yeah. Uh, those just are... the times you look back. So, um, I knew that my son would inherit a lot of his dad's fishing gear, <laughs> his tools yeah. and all these cool guy stuff. Right. Even at some of his clothes, if he wanted, yeah. but my daughter was different. So I made sure that she had a ring from her fa father that last Christmas that she would wear on her right hand the rest of her life. Oh. And it was a little sapphire. Her and her dad both had blue eyes. So she got something from him to hang on to. Because I knew mm -hmm. my son would have his watch and yeah. all this guy stuff. But guy what does a dad yeah. send yeah, yeah. through to his daughter, right. right? So that was a really sweet, tender moment. She still wears that ring every day. And mm. the other one was I asked my kids. Now remember, they're 15 and 17. I said, look, your dad's going to pass any day now, any hour now, I want you to go in and say whatever apologies you need to say or clear up any, I don't know, unresolved conflict or miscommunications or tensions of any kind. And literally both my kids looked at me like I was from another planet. Wow. They said, what are you talking about, mom? I said, come on, you're 15 and you're 17. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The two, there's got to be something that you need to apologize for or vice versa with your dad yeah. before he passes. And they looked at me and they said, we have nothing, mom, That's nothing. That's pretty, pretty unusual. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so anyhow, that last Christmas, um, he died in March and we had December together and he wrote a letter to each of his kids mm. and they each wrote one to him we still all have those letters. That's, so those are pretty priceless. Yeah, holding on to something is, uh, that makes a world of difference. I something mean, tangible yeah. to remember him by, but then the words yeah. on paper. I mean that, so. um, and having that opportunity to make amends, even though it wasn't necessary in our case, which mm -hmm. I know is unusual, but just to, I, I let them each have about an hour alone time with him mm -hmm. 
And I wasn't there, and I never asked what was talked about, but they had that time together. Yeah. So, and that, that's something, I mean, that can be a hard thing to do. Oh, yeah. I mean, to put it out there, take that time, write that letter. But um, that's powerful. Mm-hmm. That is That it's was priceless. powerful then, and it continues mm-hmm. to be in, in their life. So I, I feel like you're sharing a lot of things that, uh, we all can take with us, you know, in, in dealing with situations of loss. And that's not always a person. I mean, there are times of loss in a lot of, we, we deal with loss. Like you said, life is hard. And, yeah. and a lot of these things apply. And I, I would say the other thing that I, when I think back on it is I tried to keep things as normal as possible. Because I got some criticism from some friends who said, I can't believe you're still sending your kids to school. I can't believe you're still having them go to their sports, I can, you know, all these things. And I said, you know what? When things are falling apart, you have to have that right. foundational schedule and predictability and security in your life that never changes. Yeah. And I did ask them later, was that something you regret or something I shouldn't have done? And they said, no, Mom, that's what kept us going. Mm-hmm. We still had some normalcy in our life. And we'd come home to this devastating is he alive or dead? Literally walking through the door, right? And we'd already said our goodbyes. So I released yeah. the, them of not being there in the moment. That would have been so depressing for them even more. I mean, if you're just, yeah. the wall's closing in and that's all you have. Or I all mean, you think about or dwell on. So yeah. we tried to keep things as normal as possible mm-hmm. um, while dealing with reality at the same time. Yeah. I was struck by, um, and Doug was too, that your house was always still clean and picked up. It's like you made a point to, I thought that was really powerful. I mean, for you and for the kids, like it's just a symbol. Our life is not totally falling apart. Yeah. I didn't want chaos. Yeah, exactly. I needed some order, some predictability, some sense of normalcy and security. And that did help yeah, that's a really good point because something like this that is a marathon, that is an extended period of time. I, I mean, if if we let those things go and we don't hold on to some of that normalcy, I mean, yeah. emotionally, mentally, everything is affected by that. Well, and we we can easily crumble. And as we're going through tragedy and loss and pain and, you know, you're mourning and all the things that are crumbling around you, I I had to remember God was building. As things were crumbling for us, he was building. Mm -hmm. So he was working on a job offer for me that I didn't know about. He was working on a lot of things that came that, that turned out to be the most amazing blessings. And one of those was... I don't know how God worked it out, but (laughs) my son had that opportunity to be accepted to the academy, and they made an exception for him. And he got to tell his dad so that he knew where he was going to go to college just before he passed. I mean, things like that that are just kind of miraculous that that just were amazing. Yeah, and you look at both your kids now. They're thriving in their lives. They're both married. They're thriving. and They're doing um, great. I mean, I, I know... They still love their dad so much and think of him often, and and they know what they took from him. Absolutely, yeah. And they got they got some of those most formative years. Thank goodness, yeah. not everybody has that opportunity. <clears throat> but the time that they had together was priceless. And we, yeah. as we raised our kids, we made sure that that time with them was always 
there. That was our number one priority. Yeah. Not knowing it this would happen. It always was, right. Yeah, it not knowing was. this, we were going to be in this circumstance, right. right? And I look back and I'm, oh, thank goodness we, we did that and we spent that time together. And I would say, too, it's never too late, right? It's never too late to adjust life and, and make those, you know, have the right priorities. It's never too late to do that. Even if you're in the throes of a really difficult situation, we Absolutely. do what we can, right? Yeah. So, well, this is, this is great. Thank you so much for just talking with me about this. You know, uh, just to kind of close out, I just wanted to give you the opportunity because you come alongside women now that are going through difficult things. I've talked about, you know, the really hard time of, of my MS, not that it's all better, but I mean, when I was basically in my house all the time, um, and even now, I mean, you're such a support and encouragement. Mm -hmm. I mean, you would do anything for me. I know you would. You, and you I, got you, girl. I know. And you've come alongside many. So, so uh, you know, how do you help? What do you say to women going through a similar journey like, like the one you've been on? Yeah, whether it's, you know, a physical pain or loss of a loved one or a divorce yeah. or some other tragedy, um, ironically... I, I had four girlfriends widowed within two years after I was mm -hmm. widowed. Mm -hmm. And God will always use your difficult journey to teach you and then to help others because mm -hmm. you have that empathy, you've walked that path. So I wrote Wisdom for Widows, and it is a guide for what to say and not say, what to do and not do while you're going through the process of loss or pain or divorce or losing a loved one or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. And then there's a lot of um, experience and wisdom that I learned of what to do and not to do afterwards. So oh, this is a guide yeah. for somebody going through it or somebody who's already gone through it. And there's a lot of um, do's and don'ts that I learned that I wished people would have not said to me or did and super grateful mostly for the things they said and they did for our family and I just wrote it all down and I wanted to pass it along to other people because it it really has been helpful well it, it's a wonderful resource and yeah I think it's it's helpful for every single person to take a look at that because like you said um, it's it's really helpful to look at it and see how to best you know, encourage people and help people that are going through this hard time. And and I think it goes way beyond wisdom for widows. I, I think it can help anybody, whether you're in the bad situation or you want to help somebody in a in a really difficult situation. So I'm so glad you you put that on paper. That's really good. So yeah. that's a gift. That's a gift. So <laughs> where can folks get a copy of that? Uh, we just have it here at Foothills. It's on the shelf in the main uh, greeting area. And there's several there. Your husband's written most of them. Um, but there's many, many topics. And this is just my contribution for the path and the journey that I've been through that um, helps me help other people. I mean, that's, that's what awesome. it's all about. That's he will awesome. always take our tragedy and turn it into triumph if that's we allow awesome. him. So if you're at Foothill sometime and you see the coffee bar, look to the left, those shelves, uh, grab one. If it's not on there, uh, call the office in that week and let them know. Get some printed. Out. <laughs> yeah, we'll get some printed because everyone, it's, it's kind of like I feel about Kim's parenting. Everyone should take a parenting class from Kim Cross and, 
everyone should should grab that and read it. So thank you, friend. Oh my gosh, thank you for having me. And I love what you're doing here because you're doing what this Wisdom for Widows pamphlet's about. You're walking through the journey. You're telling people, this is how it is. Here's some tips. Here's some wisdom. Here's some experience. And you're helping other people as you go through it. Well, that takes courage. Going girl. through it, I know. And, you know, um, I think this is the 18th episode or something. And, you know, I look at some of them along the way, and you can just tell I wasn't feeling that good. You know, oh. and those were where I stopped so many times. I had to sit back or stand up because the pain was so bad. I could only talk for a couple of minutes at a time. And Jake, my son, faithfully edited those breaks out. Bless his heart. Um, so, you know, some days are like that. And some days are like, okay, I can do this pretty good. And I can put on makeup. But see, there's a lesson that in that it's a marathon. Yeah. And you have to know that and you have to trust the process, right? There's yeah. that word again. Yeah. And you're going to go through really tough days and there's days where exactly. you feel like you're so overwhelmed by the blessings and gifts and support and love of other people. It's, yep. It's both. And it's yep. a bit of a roller coaster. Yeah, but it is. And I just thought, I, it, I'm i going to be real. You know what I, I mean? And it's so humbling. You know oh, what I mean? Because yeah. <laughs> you want to just show yourself when you're, okay, feeling the best. You know what I'm saying? But I'm like, that's not real. And when we go through these journeys, there's times like that. And you went through times like that and you definitely, you know, thrived and, and overcame. And I'm so proud of you. Oh, well, I'm proud of you too, girl. Love oh, you. Thanks. thanks. Love thanks you too. From me. one, from one Kim to another. <laughs> Kim we'll Possibles. To, exactly. <laughs> we'll have to do this again sometime. We will. So, but again, thank you for joining. I hope you were encouraged by that. I hope you'll share it and I hope you'll be joining me on the next episode of Hope in the Pain.